Please note, some of the topics of this podcast may be disturbing to some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello everyone, this is Mama Kirby and you are listening to Mama Kirby's Murder Mysteries. I hope that you all had a wonderful weekend. I apologize for this episode being late as I have experienced some technical difficulty over the weekend. But here we are on this Monday. We're going to look at this case and we are going to have a great day. So without further ado, here is episode number five, Amber Renee Hagerman. So today we're going to talk about Amber Hagerman. A lot of you may know that Amber's case is the reason why we now have the Amber Alert system in the United States. What you don't know is that her killer was never found. Her case has helped so many kids and we'll get into exactly how many later but she still doesn't have justice. When you research this case, it's really hard to find information about Amber and about what happened to Amber. Really all you find is stuff about Amber alerts and while that's wonderful, I feel almost as if Amber herself gets lost in it. And I just wanted to take this time to really talk about Amber, because she's more than just an Amber Alert. Amber Hagerman had a brother named Ricky, who was five. She herself was nine years old. She had a mother named Donna. Donna was basically a single mom. Amber's father lived in another state. Her grandparents were named Jimmy and Glenda. And by all accounts, Amber was this really fun, bright, bubbly little girl who she loved school. She loved to learn. She loved to be helpful. She loved Girl Scouts and doing things with her friends in Girl Scouts. She loved her friends. Her friends loved her. There is a video that just absolutely broke my heart of Amber's mother going into the school after Amber disappeared and talking to the children. And they all tell her these wonderful things like, I really liked Amber. She was so pretty. She was the nicest person. It's very sad that her life was taken so soon and in such a brutally tragic way. The crazy thing about it is the news had actually recorded a story about Amber and her family that was about her mother bringing herself out of poverty and not having to be on welfare anymore taking classes to better herself for her children. It was supposed to be published for the public to see a few days after Amber disappeared. 
when it was published, it definitely wound up being more of a, this is very sad because we're looking for this little girl rather than, you know, the piece that it was supposed to be. Let's talk about what actually happened to Amber. On January 13th, 1996, Donna, Amber's mom, brought Amber and Ricky to their grandparents' house. Immediately, Amber and Ricky run to their bicycles like any kid who all of a sudden has access to a paved road and a bicycle does. Their grandparents and Donna, their mother, agreed that they could go around the block, which is a loop that they had done many, 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 many times. I know when I was a kid, my brother and I, we were very young and we were allowed to go and ride to our neighbor's house and ride up and down their loop and come back. And, you know, nothing was ever thought about it. So, while the grandparents and Donna believed the children were riding this one loop around the one block in the neighborhood, Amber and Ricky decided to ride two blocks down to the abandoned Winn-Dixie. Now, at first, I was like, that's a little weird. I wouldn't play in an abandoned parking lot as a child. But upon further research, I have learned that this was something that many kids in the neighborhood tended to do. The Winn-Dixie had a pretty sweet bike ramp and there wasn't a whole lot of cars because it was an abandoned parking lot. So nobody would really bother them. But on this day, somebody did bother Amber. Not long after arriving at the Winn-Dixie, Ricky decided that maybe it wasn't a good idea to defy their grandparents and mother and maybe that they should go home. Amber told him that he could go and she would stay for just a little while longer. So Ricky went home. When Ricky returned home and Amber was not with him, his grandparents sent him back to the Winn-Dixie to get Amber. When Ricky got back to the Winn-Dixie, Amber wasn't there, and only her pink bike laid in the parking lot. Ricky was too young to understand the severity of the situation, but he knew that something was not right. So he pedaled as fast as he could back home to tell his mother and grandparents that Amber wasn't in the parking lot. Only her bike was in the parking lot. Little did Ricky know that a 78-year-old Jimmy Kibble, who lived behind the Winn-Dixie, was in his backyard and witnessed at 3.18 p.m. Amber being taken off of her bicycle and forced into the cab of a dark blue or black pickup truck. Jimmy Kibble knew that Amber was being abducted because she was kicking her abductor and screaming. Now, Jimmy Kibble died pretty soon after, and no one really looked at him as a suspect. I'm not saying that he is a suspect, 
I'm just saying that maybe he should have been looked into a little more thoroughly. So Jimmy calls 911 and tells them, you know, I, you know, I thought maybe I should call because this is what I saw. And by the time 911 is there and investigating, Amber's grandfather arrives at the Winn-Dixie after Ricky has come home and said she's not on her bike, she's not in the parking lot. The police officers, they, they tell Amber's grandfather what happened and Amber's grandfather goes home and has to give the news to Donna, which I cannot even imagine how hard it must have been for him to have to compose himself enough to tell her that his granddaughter, her child, her oldest child, her baby girl, was missing. It's a feeling that I have no way to relate to and I hope that I never do. Jimmy Kivel told police that when Amber was alone, the man pulled into the parking lot, jumped out of his truck, he was a white man or Hispanic, under six feet tall, had a medium build, and was between the ages of 25 and 40. His truck had no chrome striping or anything like that. It was a nicer truck, and it was black or blue, as I said before. After Amber was forced into the cab, the man sped out of the parking lot, fleeing west down the road that the Winn-Dixie is on. It is believed that once Amber was taken from the Winn-Dixie parking lot, she was held somewhere for two days before she was brutally murdered. Four days after Amber was taken, Amber's body was found by a man walking his dog in a creek about five miles from where she was abducted. Amber was found naked except for one sock. She had been repeatedly sexually assaulted and had multiple blunt force traumas. Her throat was sliced open. Who could do such a horrible, horrible thing to such a sweet, innocent child? Amber was found Later in the evening, maintenance workers had been working in the creek just a few hours before and said that she was not there. So that means that Amber had been placed there 
a few hours before she was found. There had been a big rainstorm, and the creek had running water, which was running over her body. The current washed away most of the DNA as it was first believed, but in recent times, the investigators have released that they do in fact have the DNA of the monster who did this. I think that DNA will eventually lead to a capture because eventually they're going to mess up. It may take a long time as it has, but they will mess up and we will find them. There were over 7,000 leads that were called in and tips that were given to the investigators and none of them led to an arrest of anyone. As of 2020, less than 1% of abductions are stranger abductions. On January 13th of 1996, if we were to apply the same statistic, Amber became part of that 1%, and she was not lucky enough to survive. There are many different theories over who could have done this to Amber, and today we're going to talk about two of them that I came across that I believe are the most probable. The place where Amber was found in the creek was right next to an apartment complex. On True Crime Files, the website, there is a short little blurb article about Amber. In the comments, so take this with a grain of salt, it's just one of the things that I thought maybe was a good lead. I'm unsure as to whether or not investigators have actually investigated this lead, but the comment was from somebody named Angela Shelton. And the comment was made on August the 30th of 2018. I'm going to go ahead and read the comment to you. My brother lived in the same apartment complex she was found in. He drove a dark colored pickup and was not a very nice person. He molested and beat me and my sister when we were younger. Soon after Amber was found, he had just broken up with his girlfriend, sold his truck, and moved to Florida. My mom has contacted investigators, but not sure if they have followed up and even tried to talk to my brother. This is very concerning to me. 
and I would like for someone to take this seriously and investigate him. Me and my mom never put all this together at the time. My sister was also, quote, snatched, unquote, up by my brother when she was younger, and he threw her in a vehicle. So the comment in of itself really makes me think, like, if this is real, this person could really be Amber Hagerman's killer. But if it's not real, you know, obviously this person is just fishing for attention. The really weird thing, though, that is attached to this and ultimately why I chose to include it, it may not be connected, but it might be connected. When you Google Amber Hagerman, Angela Shelton, as I did to try to find more references to this person as if maybe, you know, they had been interviewed or anything like that, I get all of these links that pop up that they, the headers of them are kind of the same. They say, like, the Amber, you know, Amber Hagerman kidnapped and, and things like that. And in the description, there's always the line, Did Angela Shelton ever tell you her brother's name? Okay, so obviously that looks complete, you know, Click on it, because that's somebody else that brought up Angela Shelton. Whether it's small or not, I want to read it. Well, when you click on them, these links that pop up are these single web pages with no navigational tools at all. And it's this long, rambling, looks like a crazy person wrote it thing. And it's just like, Amber Hagerman kidnapped off bicycle. And, and blah, blah, blah. It just, you know, it's this long blurb and a sentence or two will make sense but it'll say things like Amber Hagerman Amber Hagerman Amber Hagerman Amber Hagerman dot 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 throat slash like it's just almost like somebody's crazy notes or something I don't know I attempted to read a whole one and then I got this overwhelming feeling that maybe it was a virus and you were, by the time you read the whole thing, there would be a virus on your computer. So, I uh, immediately clicked out after that. But it was very hard to keep the train of thought and read the rambling. So, you know, if that's something you want to try to do, you can. I don't recommend it because what if it gives you a virus? But, you know, maybe you, you're feeling brave. Do do your thing. Um but let's go ahead and look into the next suspect. The next suspect we're going to talk about is Dennis Earl Bradford. So he definitely has priors and this theory requires a lot of digging that I attempted to do and could not find answers to. It's a very either provable or able to be disproven theory. So Dennis Earl Bradford, his first crime that we know of was eight-year-old Jennifer Shout. Looks very, very similar to Amber Hagerman. 
He took her from her bedroom, strangled her, raped her, slashed her throat from ear to ear, and left her to die in a field in Dickinson, Texas. This was August 20th of 1990. And some children wound up finding her in a field and she was alive. She actually survived that attack, which is crazy. But six years later, three hours away, Amber Hagerman is kidnapped from the Winn-Dixie parking lot. Now, he did not drive a truck when he kidnapped and attempted to murder Jennifer Shout. He drove a car, but it's very easy to get a different vehicle, you know, whenever. Then, the way that he was caught, which is where it requires a little bit of digging that I was not able to, like I said, find answers for. He was caught because in 1996, in April, in Arkansas, he kidnapped, sexually assaulted, and threatened to kill a woman. And when his DNA was ran for that, when he was caught, it pinged in the Jennifer Shout case, and they were able to figure out who her killer was, or attempted killer was. I think it is possible that if Dennis Earl Bradford was still living in Texas in 96 in January, I think maybe it is possible that he could have been the one who murdered Amber. And then when the heat got to be a little bit too much, he thought maybe they were getting a little too close. He hightailed it with his family over to Arkansas, where he just wasn't able to control his urges and once again hurt somebody else. The DNA for Amber's case, it obviously has not been tested, either hasn't been tested against his or has been tested against his in past, but I do know that a lot of the DNA that they found apparently hasn't been tested because they've been waiting for the correct testing equipment, so to speak. They need the newer developments in the DNA testing technology in order to be able to test it better, I guess. So, Dennis Earl Bradford is a definite possibility. When he was caught, he committed suicide. I personally believe he committed suicide because he had a wife and two children and he confessed to Jennifer Shout and that woman and I think the only reason he confessed is because those were the only two that officers were able to definitely pin on him. I think that there were probably many, many more women and children who fell victim to this man and he just didn't want to shame his family any more than they were already being shamed by the two things that he was being caught for. So I definitely think that he is a good possibility, but we cannot prove it since he has committed suicide.
no matter who did it, Amber leaves behind this amazing legacy that has helped so many children. I want to talk just a little about Amber's legacy and the things that happened after Amber's death. So the first thing that happened was Amber's mother accepted an award on behalf of Amber from the Girl Scouts, which made Amber a junior Girl Scout, which is everything that she ever wanted. At the ceremony, the Girl Scouts sang America the Beautiful because Amber's favorite line was, For Amber Waves of Grain, which I think is absolutely beautiful and adorable, honestly. I can't imagine what those little girls must have been going through watching Amber's mother attend the ceremony for Amber. I can't imagine the emotions that they had going through their mind. After the Girl Scouts gave Amber this award, Amber's mom really hit the pavement and wanted to make sure that there was reform in the legislation system and that these monsters got put away the way that they deserved to be put away. She fought for there to be a National Sex Offender Registry, which we all know now there is. Thank you, Donna. She also fought for the Amber Hagerman Child Protection Act, which gives repeat offenders life in prison, which obviously is not a bad thing. I think that we should give first-time offenders life in prison. If you touch a child, I believe that you should be in, in prison for life. If you hurt, touch anything a child, you, you should go away for a long time. She created PASO, People Against Sex Offenders, which is an entire movement now around the world. Donna, one woman, created from the death horrible, horrible death of her own daughter. Obviously, we have her biggest legacy, Amber Alerts. I know that I get Amber Alerts to my phone. They are obviously named after Amber Hagerman, but they also created an acronym with Amber. It stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. And like I've said before, it's that notification that you get on your phone. It tells you what the kid is wearing, who the kid is, uh, the car that you should be looking for, the license plate that you should be looking for. And as of December 2020, 1,064 children were rescued because of Amber Alerts. 92 have been rescued because of emergency wireless alert systems just like Amber Alerts. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. Amber Alerts are even in the U.S., Puerto Rico, but they're also in the U.S. Virgin Islands and 27 other countries. How crazy is that? 27 other countries on top of all the U.S. territories. That's so many kids that we have the opportunity to save. 
which leads us to Amber did not die in vain. She leaves behind this legacy, and while sometimes it may seem like Amber's story gets lost, her story will never be lost, because every single time that the Amber Alert System helps another child, Amber, I feel like, can be put more and more at ease. This is where I'm going to sign off, but I don't want you to leave after I finish my outro. I will be playing a statement from Amber's mother, and it is from January of 2021, this year, and is her plea to the person to either turn themselves in or somebody to give us information. And I would like that to be the last thing that you hear. I don't want to detract from it in any way. So this has been episode five of Mama Kirby's Murder Mysteries. I want to thank you all for joining me on this Monday and not a Friday. Again, sorry about all of the technical difficulty over the weekend. Please remember that my views may not necessarily reflect the views of the platform that you are listening on. Stay safe out there. A lot can happen in 30 seconds. Here is Donna and her plea for justice for Amber. Um, the Amber Alert, I'm very, very proud of it. Because it has helped save in our children's lives. It's helped bring our children back to mommy and daddy. And uh, so it's, it's another legacy for my daughter. That she didn't die in vain. That she is still taking care of our little children as she did when she was here. And I'm very, very proud of my daughter and for all she has done for our children here. Me and Amber's family, we're, we're desperately wanting closure. It will not make my heart feel any better. My heart breaks every day for her because I do, do miss her a lot. And I do want justice for Amber. And we do want closure for her. We want justice.